0: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host,
1: the professor,
0: John Clayton.
1: Well, we started the show and there were some phone problems, and now we may have some more phone problems. But again, (coughs) please call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Uh, see if they can get the phone lines working again. we are able to get through the last hour or so and get some calls. And in the meantime, we'll also take text questions on the Mac and Jack's text line at 710-710. So give us a call, 866-979-ESPN, two zero six four two one espn So from the text line from the 425, Mr. Clayton, is the NBA business model broken? Uh, They aren't very national in the NBA with teams in small markets like Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Orlando, uh, and won't put teams in Seattle, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And the fans, obviously, in uh, Seattle are not rooting for Portland. And so it does look like at some point, I don't know when, that they'll come and put an expansion team in Seattle. But I think what you're looking at is that uh, what happens now in the NBA is like they, they like the star system, and they like the star system in the big cities. And so what ends up happening, you can be a Sacramento or you can be an Orlando, and all of a sudden you get you know, one of the top picks in the draft, and once he gets to a point where he can get out of it in free agency, they end up going to New York. They end up going to Los Angeles. They end up going to San Francisco. They, so they go to the bigger cities, and that does hurt. Uh, so it's like it's very difficult, particularly in a small city, Uh, smaller type city to be able to have a good NBA team. So again, uh, that's just one of the NBA models that, you know, they like the TV ratings. They like the money they get from TV and they feel better about having, you know, better teams in the better markets. And then pretty much not even caring about the uh, smaller cities and where they are from the three six zero, does Jamal Adams leave an empty spot back where the safeties would normally play when he runs forward, who covers that and how much uh, trouble does that cause? Well, I think, you know, he did not, he struggled because he's so got such great range. And with quarterbacks being as mobile as they are, that helps And the fact that he got nine and a half sacks. I don't know if he's going to blitz as much this year, but uh, you know, it does leave it a little bit of an empty spot. But again, you have, you know, a, a nickel cornerback to make cover for that. You, you have, you know, one of the linebackers cover for it. You know, it still works and <clears throat> you can say what you want. They did win 12 games last year and their defense did get better in the second half of the season. And, of course, you know, now they need to get some kind of a deal done with Jamal, and that seems to be growingly optimistic. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. From the 360 professor, will Dwayne Estrichs be a full go at training camp? Yeah. It was just a little bit of a minor injury that held him out in some of the later practices in the OTAs and the mini camp, But he should be fine. You know, he's got quickness. He's not the biggest guy. But I think that uh, he has a best, probably the best chance to be the third wide receiver on the team. From the two five three, hey John, uh, what's going on with Richard Sherman this off season? It's like, a, well, same thing with KJ Wright. It's been hard to have you know a guy in his thirties get a get a job offer, and so he's waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, he's still talking to San Francisco surprising that the Jets have not offered anything with Robert Sawa, and of course, you know, Seattle, I mean, he's shown interest in, but uh, right now, it doesn't appear that they're going to do anything, so it's just the waiting game continues, and Richard's realistic about it, because he realizes, hey, at this stage, nothing's going to happen until before the start of camp, when everybody starts to look and say, okay, here's where we are. From the 253, and, of course, you can text us at 710-710, what coaches are on the hot seat this year? Well, there's always going to be a bunch. I'd say that uh, Matt Nagy in Chicago is going to be on the hot seat. No question about that. Uh, I don't. You can maybe to a certain degree say Matt LaFleur, but I think that he's won 13 games in each of his first two years, so nothing's going to change there. You know, Mike Zimmer, to a certain degree, is, you know, He's being evaluated, I would have to think. You know, I think it's a little bit too early in Cincinnati to put their coach on the hot seat. But, you know, his his seat's starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, you can maybe say if it's going to be a drop-back season in Arizona, which I don't think is going to happen because I think they're going to move forward, that, you know, their coach could be in trouble. But like anything else, you've got usually five to seven coaches who can be uh, in trouble and end up losing their jobs. Too many coaching changes in the National Football League from the 4 5 What would be considered a failure for the Seahawks this season, NFC championship game or bust? Well, I think that, you know, if if they get to an NFC championship game, it's still going to be a success story, but they want to get to the Super Bowl. But those things sometimes are hard to do. You don't know where injuries are going to play. You don't know what can go right, what can go wrong. But I think right now, uh, I I think they're, they're a better team than they're being graded nationally. They won 12 last year, and I think they've got more talent this year than they did last year. 2 323 professor could you explain how the nfl compensatory picks work yeah real simple is that you can have when you lose more free agents making more than the minimum salary than you then you gain uh then you have a chance to get a compensatory pick and you can get as many as four compensatory picks and then it's based on the salary so like for example if you lose a 10 to 13 million dollar player i mean you'll get a third round compensatory pick and then you know based on where those numbers go his playing time and how he did in a season you can get a fourth a fifth and a sixth and a seventh you know so you can get four total at the most you know like this year Seattle signed more free agents, unrestricted free agents, than, uh, than they lost. And so they didn't get any compensatory picks. And right now, they're not going to get any compensatory picks next year as it stands. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the way the compensatory picks goes. It's based on the number of players that you lose versus the number of players that you gain in free agency and what their salaries are. Eight six six nine seven nine espn 206 421 ESPN. It's The John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is The John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Well, it does appear that the phones remain a problem right now, but again, still give us a try. Call us at 866 979 ESPN, 206 421 ESPN. And in the meantime, Uh, Dave Grosby joining us here in a few minutes. And, of course, uh, we'll take your text questions on the Mac and Jack's text line. Uh, That's at 710-710 from the 360. If you have to guess who are the top contenders for the AFC Championship this year, I'd say right now Kansas City obviously leads the pack. I think Buffalo's in the mix. Certainly, uh, I'd look at uh, Cleveland as being a possibility. You know, maybe Baltimore's for sure. Pittsburgh, you can't uh, write them off. Uh, you know, I think there's you know a lot of good teams, sleeper teams like the uh, Chargers and Broncos. I wouldn't put them in a championship level yet, but think, you know, they can be in the mix. But I think there's a lot of good teams, but I still put Kansas City at the top from the 4-2-5. It's like I'm being patient with the M's. I understand that the rebuilding process takes a while. But when do you think they've become pe- competitive for the offseason? Well, I competitive right now, they're 500. and with all the injuries and everything else, you know, I think that's caught everybody by surprise. And I think that Scott Service has done a great job with the team. I think that uh, you know the pitching staff has done better than expected. They're starting to get some of the guys. Uh, hitting i mean jp crawford has had just a great season so far you know mitch Haniger coming back from his injury that's been huge i think kyle Seeger's done well again it takes five years uh, a lot of times for that to happen from the 206 he says i'm an uh, arizona native living in seattle how do you think the cardinals will do against the hawks this year well, maybe they can split because I think it's going to be hard to win the home game here in Seattle. But again, they're going to have a road game in Arizona, so they have a chance in that one. But uh, you know, I, I look at the uh, Cardinals as being you know an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team. But again, the games in this division are going to be so so difficult. It's going to be hard to do. From the three-six, how will Marquise Blair do for Hall of Fame voting? I mean, he's <laughs> I mean right now he's not even the uh, I mean I think he has a chance to be. Uh, maybe a, a good uh, slot guy. I mean, he's doing well, and I think that he's had a good off season. But Hall of Fame? Come on. 253, which Seattle rookie will have a breakout season this year? I think it's going to be Dwayne Essridge because, again, I think that he's going to get the opportunity, maybe be the third receiver in an offense that's going to be, you know, better than it was last year scheme-wise and everything else. And then finally, from the 206, what do you expect to see from Seahawks offensive coordinator Uh, Will they let Russ cook? Well, let's let Russ cook thing in the end faded. So let's take that out of the equation, take that out of the vocabulary, take that out of the system. But what they're going to do with the fast tempo, the ability to uh, go more too tight in, to run the ball a little bit more, I think this is going to be a good offense for Russ. But the let Russ cook thing turned out at the end, to not work, let's take that away. It worked early in the season against bad defenses, but let Russ Cook is one that I think let's, let's, let's put that in the kettle and not open it up again. Coming up next, we'll talk to Dave Grosby, our weekly dose of the Gras with uh, Dave Grosby. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Well, it's time for our weekly dose of the Groz with Dave Grosby, and it's going to be a little bit of a longer segment because, again, Dave, this has been uh, probably the toughest Saturday show I've had <laughs> in decades because it was a three-hour, call-in, three-hour call-in show, and the phones weren't, weren't, weren't working for a good portion of it.
0: You know, that's a key part of the call-in show concept. John is having phones working.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, I've we learned
0: had, that from my many, many years in the business.
1: I know it's like it's been it's been brutal. So it's like uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about a whole bunch of different things and do that. But yeah, it's been it's been tough because again, it's like yeah, you know, we have we're lucky to have so many callers, but if they can't call in, we can't get their uh, can't get their voices on the air.
0: Understood. Well, I'm here for you, buddy, so not to worry. Okay. We'll have a nice conversation for as long as you want.
1: Okay, well, this sounds good. Let's start off with the Mariners because they get a 5-1 victory over Toronto. It's been a good home stand. They've won 5 out of 6 games so far uh, since the weekend. They uh you know got good pitching from Yusei Kikuchi uh and now believe it or not, I mean with all the injuries, they're at 500.
0: Yeah, it's been a it's been a very good stretch. They've they've overcome a lot, you know, and I think uh, I think it's great to see. I think the thing you got to remember about uh, about the long haul in baseball, though, is uh, this is it's, you got to continue with this. I mean, you yeah. just got to continue with it. it it's um, it, it's still uh, what, what are they not quite halfway point of the season yet? You know, there's still 90, 90 or so games to play to, to keep trying to overcome injuries and and things like that. It gets tougher as the year goes on, and you do need a break at some point in time. And and they haven't gotten one. Justin Dunn getting hurt the other day. Going back to a five-man rotation until the All-Star break, but you've had some guys step in and step up, and and you know it's been interesting. And in just looking at the, the way the season has evolved, and, and the guys you you know uh, start of the year, John. We're probably looking at, at three main things uh, when you're talking about this club, I'd say. Everyone's kind of excited to see Kyle Lewis's second year after being named Rookie of the Year. I think that James Paxton, in addition to the rotation, was something that was exciting as well. You're seeing if he can help, give you a little bit of stability there if you can. And then, of course, uh, because of the unfortunate uh, preseason stuff, uh, you're re- very eager to see Kelmick's debut. Well, you know, in in the case of Paxton, it was a bust. He got hurt after twenty four pitches. In the case of Kelnick, uh, jury's still out. Obviously, not very good mm-hmm. uh, to to begin with, you know, at all. And uh, Kyle Lewis has has, uh, has gotten hurt again. So, you know, these were three of the things you were counting on. In order to have you know what amounts to a decent year, this is without you know necessarily trying to contend or anything like that this year, and you had three key elements wash out for you, and you've been able to you've been able to overcome all of that uh, and, and play about 500 baseball, which is which is very impressive, but uh, is as baseball does, uh, it, it it holds you up for the long haul. You've got to do it week in and week out, and we'll see if they can do it because the injuries just keep on coming.
1: Oh, no doubt about it, and of course yesterday. Uh, Kyle Lewis went on the 60-day uh, injury list, so it does kind of feel like he's not going to be there the rest of the season with that knee injury. And the bad part is, you know, he missed you know his first year uh, in the minors because of the knee injury, and so that, that's got to be a little scary because you you wonder how long it's going to take for him to bounce back. Well, no question
0: about it. I mean, this is a guy you're considering as, as, not to mention he's playing center field. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you're considering him for for being one of your key defensive outfielders as well as. A big bat, and, and you're exactly right. The concern about being injured, you know, in, in uh, again for a for significant stretch is something that, that's very concerning. So, uh, you know, that, that's of all the things that have gone wrong. I mean, to me, that's the one that, that um, looms the largest because he was certainly a part of what you were planning on doing. Now, one of the other things that has happened and uh, an offshoot of it is you've seen some guys that maybe you weren't necessarily expecting. Uh, really up their games. Now J.P. Crawford was really good last year. I mean, he was a Gold yeah. Glove winner and was deservedly so. But he has taken his game to another level this year. I mean, he just looks terrific out there. He made a, you know, the the, the classic, you know, routine play, uh, make make a hard play look like a routine play in like the second inning of the, of the game last night. Mm-hmm. Just through, just tremendous range, tremendous throw. Uh, you know he's got the Gold Glove line locked up again. I think the way he's going, and he's hitting the ball extremely well. So you've seen a nice, uh, nice boost from him. I mean, you say Kikuchi was was a big part of, of I think what what they wanted to see from him. What was 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 a big part of what they were going to do this year, an improvement. Um, and he was, he was excellent last night. I mean, he has been, he has been very good his last five or six starts. He is looking like a, like an eight figure pitcher and, and a guy who figures into your rotation. And, you know, Marco Gonzalez got hurt, but has come back and has, and has looked the way he's supposed to look. So you've had, you've had some, some positives mixed with the negatives. And that's how you've been able to maintain it about 500. But, you know, again, I caution everyone. It's got a, it's got a, there's a long way to go. And uh, it's going to be tough to keep it up. But uh, so far, you've got to be very impressed with where they stand.
1: Yeah, and of course, that's the thing. I know that Mariner fans are <laughs> certainly uh, frustrated in the standpoint. It's been two decades since they've had a winning team. And, uh, you know, it's, that's obviously tough to be able to go. But it's like, hey, uh, I don't know if you agree with me on this. But if you're going to do what they did is do a reset and, re- uh, you know, reboot the team and try to you know go through the minors and do it that way, it takes five years. Well, you know,
0: and they had a year taken away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the other thing. They had last year taken away because of COVID, just completely taken away. I mean, absolutely, there are lots of things you can anticipate in this world, and and you can come up with as many as you want to and could not have anticipated. Oh, by the way, uh, in the the most important year of your rebuild, when your guys are making the jump from from single-A ball to double-A and triple-A ball and getting ready to go into the majors, you're going to have that year wiped out. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you why, but you're not going to be able to play. So, you know, it, it sounds like an excuse, but for the Mariners, it was it was a key year of development for a team that's trying to develop. I mean, they, their original plan was, as we know, to this year look at, at being competitive and and uh, you know being contender. And, and they had to pull it back for a year, uh, which they've done. And you know, it just it, it just brushes over the fact that you don't really know what impact the loss of an entire year of organized baseball has on young baseball prospects. John, you know why? Because it's never happened before. There's nothing to base it on. So it's, uh, it's, it's it was really difficult for everyone, certainly extremely difficult for the Mariners uh, who were, were trying to build up from within. So, you know, it just kind of goes with what we've talked about, about them before. I mean, to, to, to miss the playoffs for 20 years in a row, you've got to have a lot of things going wrong, and that includes bad luck and bad timing, and the Mariners have had that too.
1: Yeah, and, of course, that's the thing. When you're talking about developing through the minors and then all of a sudden – you have uh, last year, and there was no minor league games because of the COVID. So, uh, Jarek Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez and guys like that, you know, they, they can go to uh, you know Peoria and you know, go hit the ball, but it's not like they're getting a competitive advantage in being able to get in games and see if you can develop. And so, it pushed everything back a year. Uh, maybe more. Yeah. I mean, nobody really knows
0: the impact of, of, of losing an entire year of development. Nobody really knows what, what, what that impact is. I mean, we're all flying blind here. So, you know, you, you hope it's just a year. You hope it's just simply a reset. But, But you don't know because it hasn't happened before. So... Uh, I think they, it's been impressive what they've been able to overcome. I think you know, the, remembering too that that uh, at the start of this year, it wasn't this wasn't anticipated to be a, a season you were going to be uh, you're going to be contending anyway. And I think the fact that they've been able to hang around 500 has been very impressive. And if they can continue to do that, John, I will be very impressed if they can do it for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing that you like about uh, what this team's been able to do because you can see some of the young players are are showing some good things. I mean, certainly, I think the big surprise right now is Jack Bowers. I mean he comes over after being designated for assignment by the Cleveland Indians, drives up to Detroit from Cleveland and then, you know, drives back because the next series was going to be in Cleveland. He's batting like what 343 and he's hitting the ball well and doing well at first base.
0: Yeah, they they've they've managed to unearth a few diamonds in the rough for sure, although, you know, look, you want that to be Evan White, let's be honest yeah, here. Yeah. You know, you want the, you, pay, you paid him a lot of money to be that guy, yet and he simply is not hitting the ball at a level to, to be doing that yet but certainly yeah you needed you you've needed a bunch of guys to you weren't necessarily counting on to step up and give you some moments and, and you've had some of those guys do that and like i said you know we'll see what happens now that we're into june and july and august and the hot summer months are, are, are upon us and if in fact that this this team can 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 maintain what they've been doing it'll be it'll be a real big challenge and and i, I just worry that that people are going to be really disappointed if they fall off a little bit, which I think is probably likely. Yeah, continuing the amount of games they've lost, you know, due to due to injury already, and uh, the the general youth of the of the of the team at this point.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I know because uh, we we get callers on that when the phone lines are working. You know, frustrated, ridiculously about Scott's service, and uh, say what you want. I mean, last year, you know, on that just terrible year with the pandemic and the problems that created for the Mariners more so than maybe any other team in baseball. I mean, in the last week of the season, they still were in the playoff race, even though it was going to be for the last spot. In a And, of course, this year, you know, to be 500 with all the uh, injuries and things that he's had to go through, I mean, I think it's, it really speaks well of Scott's service. In fact, uh, you know, to a point where it's like, hey, you know, you, you want to extend him as opposed to knock, knock him out of the stadium.
0: Well, you know, uh, I think that you, you're talking about a guy who's been in a very difficult slot. And, and it's, uh, it, look, I think the, the, the bottom line question that you've got to ask if you're a critic is, have the Mariners underachieved since he's been here? And the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. They haven't They haven't put together a, 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 a first-rate team yet. They haven't done anything like that. They, they've, they've gone into a rebuild after winning 89 games, which was, which was a good run they had. And, and uh, you know, you're having service as the guy kind of trying to shepherd you through a little bit. So I don't think you've had disappointments. Now, look, it's, if you go game by game, it is very, very it's the beauty of baseball, in my opinion, John. It's one of the things I love about it. You can criticize every move a manager makes late, especially uh, pitching decisions and things like that, and decide a guy... Is no good, but it's 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 much more than that. It's about you know meeting expectations. Are you are you at the level that you are supposed to be at at this point in time? Now I understand the Mariners uh, should be winning. Period. Yeah. But with the talent they have right now and the situation they're at right now, this is not a team that, that is, a, is an elite playoff caliber team yet. I think Scott Service is getting the most out of these guys that he can get, and I think that's that's all you can hope for in this case. You know, I, I've said on occasion that. I've used Scott service mainly, managing-wise, it's as, as kind of a transitional figure until until they get a team here that's a little more established. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if they made a change at that point, and he went back into development and went back back upstairs. So, you know, we'll see if that in fact happens, or if if, if managing has really gotten to him after after this experience. But. You know, we'll see. It's easy to criticize guys for for pitching moves and things like that. But for me, it's kind of looking at where should the team be considering the circumstances. And if we laid it out, as we kind of did, with all the guys that have been hurt this year, with all the other things that happened, and if I had told you they'd be at 500, I think you'd say, well, he must be doing a good job.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I think as one of the callers brought up, it was like (laughs) he's got a 492 uh, winning percentage. And I think considering you know the fact that they are in the midst of a rebuild, uh, and they did have you know the eighty plus win season, uh that's still I think very good because again it just takes time when you're doing a rebuild like this, a reset.
0: Problem with the Mariners is that's probably top three or top four all time yeah, for them.
1: That's true. <laughs> yeah that's Sad to say. Mm -hmm. Well, on the football side of it, uh, you know, the the last uh, mini-camp is done. The off-season program is done. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll on Thursday was very, very positive. I mean, the two main things that he brought up a lot with some other little things is that he loves the fact that Shane Waldron, the, uh, uh, the the offensive coordinator, is teaching well. The players are taking to it with the new offense. And he also brings up how well daryl taylor is doing at strong side linebacker and defensive end
0: well you know pete always is positive so yeah. i mean it's hard for me to, to to necessarily say well wow that's exciting news because i didn't think that was going to be the case he'd be saying that if that wasn't the case i do think that the second part of what you said is ominous for for kj Wright, and yeah it uh, it's going to be yeah i mean it doesn't look like there's going to be a spot for him and you know you you wonder about um i know i do about all the plays that you had made with his intelligence last year and the year before, you know, being such a smart football player and knowing stuff about positioning and things like that. This X-factor stuff that has nothing to do with physical ability but has to do with mentally seeing and understanding the game a little bit. You know, we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, again, the the Seahawks normally make the right decisions. I mean, this is why they win all the time, because they normally are doing things right. So uh, I didn't expect anything but but, um, plaudits and everyone's happy and uh, everything's terrific coming out of minicamp. I don't think there'd be any reason to expect anything otherwise. When you got Pete Carroll, who's running a a very positive regime now, you know, I don't think this makes any difference. You know, when the year starts, there's still going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on Russell Wilson. A tremendous amount of pressure on this football team, which is at a point where, where as we, we, we all know, just winning, just getting to the playoffs is not enough. They've got to have success in the playoffs. And, um, you know, that's, that's when the judgments will be made. So, uh, it, you know, the best thing about it, no one, no one got seriously hurt or anything like that, of course. And, and uh, you know, we'll take it from there. And, and we'll see if, in fact, this offense does, uh, does do some things for them.
1: Yeah, because I, 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 you can see that uh, where Pete and Russell like things is that it's a faster tempo. There's going to be more running. I thought it was funny when uh, Pete was asked about the running part of it, and he says, "I always get criticized for saying more running, but again, it's like uh, we want balance. And this offense, you know, you saw in San Francisco, you see it with the Rams, and that's the offense that comes here. There's a there's a good balance to the offense. I think what was it? The uh, the Rams were like uh, seventh or ninth in the league as far as rushing attempts, and uh, you wouldn't think that to be happening from a team, and it would have you know, Sean McVay, who likes to pass the ball, but also part of this offense is to keep teams guessing and take what's given to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how it works out, John, because I know one thing. Uh, I love the offense the first half of last year. I thought it was fantastic, yeah, it was. and I, I thought it was sensational and and. You know, I understand that it went away, and I don't know if that, if that was because guys were figured out or, or whatnot. But um, you know, it's not like you got a guy coming in here to at a reclamation project. They certainly weren't as good the second half of the season, but they were awfully good the first half of the season. So, you know, like like anything, especially when you're an elite team, it comes down to execution and things like that. And and um, you know, they've made plenty of changes at offensive coordinator in the past. And this is always what you hear about how exciting it is. I remember one of his boy, Shoddy really understands this, and he's going to be just terrific. So. I tend not to read too much into just all these plaudits for for different offensive coordinators coming in because it's the same old song, and uh, you know they, the proof is in the pudding. And for the most part, you know the guys they've brought in have done a good job, and that's mm-hmm. that's been shown up in their record. Has been shown up with their success.
1: Yeah, and of course, one update that he uh, gave the other day is that Alden Smith still kind of getting a little bit more in shape, but I think as uh, Danny O'Neill was saying. Too, it's like I think part of it is they don't want to put him on the field yet until he gets his uh, legal problems uh, figured out because he's got the case coming up on July 14th.
0: Yeah, I tell you, you know, the thing that jumped out at me, John, that, that I was really impressed by this week—it's it, just an NFL thing—was looking at how the NFL is handling uh, players getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated. Yeah, I think I want to—I want to salute the NFL for having by far. The best policy when it comes to that that I've seen so far, I mean, they you know, they're saying, okay, you don't have to get uh, vaccinated. But if you don't, here's what you can't do. Mm -hmm. You can't have lunch with guys. You can't do this. You can't do that. I mean, they've really they've really they've really said, look, you know, you got your choice. But with your choice comes ramifications. With your choice comes consequences. You want to go back to the way things were? Get vaccinated. If you don't, you won't. Period. End of story. So I salute the NFL for taking that stand.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, there are so many restrictions right now. It's like uh, you're, you're still on the team, but you're not with the team. Like, for example, if you uh, uh, like you mentioned, it's like you can't dine in the dining room with uh, vaccinated players. If you don't have vaccination, you, uh, you know, have the uh, you, you can't fly in the team charter. Uh, you you right. ba- basically have to wear a mask all the time, uh, except when you're on the field and then know you uh you put yourself in a position where if you go to some event uh and you you can you can end up getting a fifty thousand dollar fine if you get tested positive for COVID 19 and you're non-vaccinated you can get a fourteen thousand dollar fine and so they really clamped down and i mean cole beasley just went berserk the buffalo bill slot cornerback I saw saying that. it's like uh, well i i should be able to live how i want to live what's like uh why, why don't you be a teammate and uh you know not risk Putting your other teammates in problems. Just get a vaccination. I mean, you're going to be tested every day. You you put yourself in a bad spot uh, with your own teammates. It's like just get get the shot and get it over with.
0: Yeah, live how you want to live, and the NFL will do what they want to do. I mean, it's not a one-way street for crying out loud. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I think it's really uh, it really shows uh, shows the NFL in, in a very positive light because, like like we've been saying, it's You know, they're not telling them they have to, but they're telling them there are ramifications if you choose not to. And any league, any business has a right to run their business the way they see fit. So uh, I have no, absolutely no compassion for or no no relation to uh, statements by the ones like Cole Beasley. I think it's crazy yeah. uh, to, 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 to take that point. And, you know, he can still be a part of the team, but um, you'd be a part of the team the way the NFL decides you're a part of the team.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other one, I thought, like even Sam Darnold and some other players saying, well, I need more information before I get vaccinated. What more information uh. do you need? It's like if you don't get vaccinated, uh, you, know, you, you may be able to not have any uh, asymptomatic positive test but it's like you leave yourself in a position where okay if you're around anybody that has COVID-19 I mean you may have to miss five days because of you know the contact rule and then of course if you do test positive I mean you get to 10 games and probably a fine and all those different things it's like what are you thinking I mean what, what more do you need to know Well, the
0: problem with guys like Sam Darnold is they want to be told what to think mm-hmm. how about read a book Sam yeah How about read what you go out there and and find out the information for yourself? What are you waiting around to be told for? Uh, Yeah, no, no, um, no quarter for that. I think that's an absolute bogus, ridiculous argument. And and, uh, again, I hope the league holds, holds firm with it. And I think they probably will.
1: Well, they will. I mean, you know, they made it through last year and say what you want. There was only 262 positive tests. Now, again, there was a lot of guys that had contact and, You know, wasn't able to do anything for five to ten days in some cases. But, uh, you know, 262 for, you know, over, what, uh, 2,000 players in the league was pretty good. It was less than the 1%.
0: No, NFL has done, uh, they've done a first-rate job on this from the beginning. First-rate job on it from the beginning. Now, they had the advantage of, of, you know, having a chance to kind of watch it unfold Mm -hmm. and, and get a plan in place, which... Uh, other sports certainly didn't have that chance. They were kind of going on the fly and had to, had to try and make something happen. The NFL had the, had the time to sit back and wait and, and come up with a plan. And, and I can, uh, you know, kudos to them for following through on it. And they did a, they did a nice job last year. And, I, again, I thought it was really instructive to watch um, you know, um, the, the preseason show on, on the L.A. teams and see mm-hmm. how they, they were handling those protocols. It was really interesting to see how seriously the NFL did take it and how much they used their tremendous resources to try and protect their players.
1: And, of course, I mean, the great part about it is that the Players Association, I think, did a good job too because, you know, they kept adjusting to what the NFL suggestions are and they made different offers and things like that and, you know, were able to get through it. And, you know, they didn't lose a game. You know, they were able to have the entire season. Sure, there was some adjustments, some games moved and such, such like that. But in the end, it all worked out.
0: It did. And, and I would expect the same to be the case this year. I mean, it's still still dealing with it in the other sports, I mm-hmm. mean, in, in the basketball playoffs and the, and the hockey playoffs, for crying out loud. That that great game last night between uh, Montreal and, and, um, and Las Vegas, Montreal's coach was out because he had uh, he failed the COVID protocol. So, you know, you're still seeing it in, in, in basketball and in hockey as their seasons are winding down and, and seeing much, much less of it in uh, the National Football League.
1: So what's on the grass schedule this weekend?
0: Oh, this is the best time of the year, John, man. You got, you got playoffs going on, uh, in, in basketball and, and, and certainly in hockey. Uh, the U.S. Open is this week. You've got a tremendous story. You know, this is the year of the old man, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady kind of started it by winning the Super Bowl. Helio Cachanovas, uh, in his late forties, I believe, won, won the Indy 500. And, and, you got this guy, this 48-year-old guy named Richard Bland, who's leading the U.S. Open, uh, golf tournament down in San Diego. He, he won for the first time in, uh, in his career. A month ago, after it is like his 480th start, so uh, you've got the U.S. Open going on, one when it, when of it golf's majors, so it's a, it's a great weekend for that. The Mariners are uh, playing good baseball against a good team at home, and it's going to be 80 degrees on Father's Day, so uh, it, it feels like a perfect weekend all the way around.
1: Well, it's perfect to be able to get our weekly dose of the garage with Dave Crosby extended because of all our phone line issues and all those different things. David, I hope you enjoy the Open and enjoy the weekend enjoy the Mariners. Talk to you next week, John. Okay, that'll be good. And, of course, uh, you know, we'll try to wrap this thing up here. And, of course, uh, Seattle Sports Saturday is coming up next. That'll be at, at the top of the hour. And so, again, it's like uh, it's been kind of a crazy, crazy show, one of the craziest Saturdays Matt and I have been together with trying to get through it. But we'll come back and we'll try to wrap things up and get you over to Sports Saturday. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Well, each week at this time, we always thank Matt Nelson for producing the show. We thank Matt Nelson for running the show, but even more so today, because this was probably the toughest show that we've done, a three-hour call-in show, and the phones weren't working for a good portion of it. But again, Matt, a fantastic job of getting us through these three hours and having the best show that we could possibly get Uh, But it was a tough one. So coming up next, we have Seattle Sports Saturday. And, of course, uh, good to have them back on. And, of course, hopefully next week we get the phones working. So it's like, uh, thank you, everybody. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.